you know, you may have a past, but God's got your future. Listen, we can run and we can hide, but the long arm of God's love is going to come looking for you one day. You can go to the backside of the desert all you want, but he's going to come knocking on your door someday because God's got a plan and purpose for your life. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt to Assembly of God, and I want to thank you for joining me for this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. The message you'll be listening to is part of a series called Running with the Giants. In this message, we are going to focus on the faith example of Moses. If Moses could come out of the grandstands of heaven and take a lap with us on our faith journey, how would Moses encourage our faith? I hope you enjoy the message and pray that you're challenged, blessed, and encouraged. It's good to be in church today, and today is going to be the last message in our series, and the series has been titled Running with the Giants, and the series is based off the faith heroes that are mentioned in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 has been our key verse for our series, and just kind of going to go there first, we're going to start off there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are these witnesses? Who's this great cloud of witnesses we're talking about here? It's the, the faith heroes that are listed in the previous chapter. They're the ones that are, are kind of looking over the edge of heaven, so to speak, and, and just encouraging us as we run our race. Continues on, verse 1, let us, therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders. Now, when we think of this, we see the next part of the verses in the sin that so easily entangles, but go back, let us throw off everything. I say everything. Listen, everything is more than sin. There's attitudes, there, there's habits, there's, there's ways, patterns of thinking. There, there's things in our past that can really hinder our faith if we're not careful. So it's not just sin, it's sometimes it's wounds, it's pains, the things we've been through. We need to throw off those things because they can easily entangle us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That means God's got a plan for us, amen? God's got a plan for us. Run that race with perseverance. So we want to throw off everything that hinders us from accomplishing God's plan for our life. Now our faith, again, it's likened to a race here in this verse. That's the picture we're seeing, that, that we're running this race. And I don't know about you, I don't like to run unless I'm being chased. And it better be someone big, you know what I'm saying, that I don't think I can take. But I'm just saying that this is the picture we're seeing, that we're, we're looking at our faith life as a picture of a race that's taking place. And we're imagining these faith heroes, again, just kind of encouraging us from the grandstand of heaven, encouraging us as we, we run our race. And what if one of those heroes, one at a time, could come out onto the, the track with us, run a lap with us, what would they say from their own experience? How would they encourage our faith from their own experience? Today we're going to focus on what Moses might say. And I don't know about you, Moses is just one of my favorite people in, in the, God, the Word of God. Uh, Moses is going to be our example. What might he say to us from his example? And we're going to look at this, this as kind of the, the center point for the message. I believe Moses would say to us, abandon safe and live by faith. Abandon safe, live by faith. We're going to break that down really easy today. What does it mean to abandon safe and what does it mean to live by faith? So let's just kind of look at Moses' background a little bit to help you kind of understand why we, we would say Moses might come out to the, out of the, the, the grandstands of heaven and encourage us in this way. So Moses grew up in royalty. We know he's adopted. Uh, he's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, so he lives a very privileged life. And he lives this privileged life growing up, but he also knows this. He's Jewish. He's, he's Hebrew. And he understands that as he's growing up in the palace, 
his family, his original family, his real family, and his countrymen are all slaves. So he grows up in a very privileged life that few would experience. And uh, Moses, at the same time, uh, begins to have a change in his life, obviously, because, you know, it's, it's when he's living in Egypt, he knows his people are, are slaves. He's not unaware of that. He's totally aware of this. And we see this kind of bubble up to the surface. One day, Moses sees an Egyptian taskmaster beating a Hebrew slave, and something inside him just snaps. Something changes, and he intervenes, and he ends up killing the Egyptian. So rather than being labeled a hero, he thought he might be labeled a hero by his own people, Moses is rejected by his Hebrew countrymen. Here's why. They disdain his privilege. They can't stand it that they've grown up as slaves, and this guy, he's a Hebrew living in royalty. Likewise, the Egyptians reject Moses for killing the Egyptian, and they want to kill him. So he's a man without a country. And he goes on the run. We know he flees to Midian, and he lives there for the next 40 years of his life in obscurity. So in Midian, Moses meets the daughters of Jethro, and in the course of time, he marries one of those daughters. It's Zipporah, and he settles down. He starts his, his life. He becomes a family man, and he's, he works for his father-in-law. He's a herdsman, and that's, that's, life, that's his life for the next 40 years. But here's what I want you to do. Put yourself in Moses' position. Like Moses, I wonder how many times we've experienced heartache, we went through a difficult time, and we begin to play it safe. We've been through a difficult season, and we just start to play it safe. You know, after 40 years of playing it safe, here's what happens to Moses. Let's pick up the story now. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says this in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Verse 3, then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. I just can't pass this joke up. God always has to speak to men twice. I don't know why it is. My wife tells me something about that, but I'm not always listening to her. But uh, verse 5, and then he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your, your, your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse 6, moreover, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We don't serve a dead God, amen? And Moses hid from his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Let's go down to, to uh, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, taskmasters for I know their sorrows. Boy, that's a message in itself. God knows our sorrow. Listen, they were, they were slaves for, for several hundred years by this time, but God knows their sorrow. So just realize that whenever, whatever you're going through, God knows our sorrow, he knows our pain. Let's skip on down to verse 10. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now just think about this. We know the history now. We see the calling of God on his life. What inward conflict 
would Moses be having right now? I mean, put yourself in his position. You've been to Egypt, and you fled there 40 years ago. Literally, you fled for your life. You made a lot of mistakes. You, you've, you've kind of tur- burned a lot of people or whatever, you know, whatever the attitude is. Imagine this. Now God is calling you to return to that place. The conflict he would feel must have been incredible. So all the, the past just comes rushing back, and, and with the past, boy, don't, I don't know about you, but when things of our past sometimes comes at me, I don't like what I'm feeling. It kind of puts me in a position where, where that unknown, I just don't feel comfortable with it. And this is what Moses would be feeling, that, that fear of the unknown would sweep back in. And listen, I'm just going to say, just because you messed up in your past doesn't mean you're disqualified from God's calling on your life. Just because you make mistakes doesn't mean you're disqualified for God's plan for your life. If that's the case, I wouldn't be here today. Romans chapter 11, verse 29, great verse to remember. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The gifts and callings of God, they're irrevocable. Listen, that doesn't mean you can just go off sin, do whatever you want, and God's got, you know, that's not the way it works. When you'll return to God, when you'll serve him, his plan for your life will revitalize. So God had a calling on Moses, and Moses, in his past, tried to fulfill it his own way. I mean, killing the Egyptian was not part of God's plan. Moses has a calling on his life that, at that, that time and place, but Moses takes things into his own hands, tries to, to solve uh, the, the calling on his life his way, and he messes up. So we know this. He flees to Midian, and in the course of time, 40 years or so, God begins to rekindle that calling and speaks to Moses from the burning bush and reminds him of this. I'm not done with you yet. I don't care if you messed up. I don't care if you're up the run. I don't care if you, you've put the calling aside. I still have a plan for you. So just remember this. God is not done with you yet. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't care what you've done. God's not done with you yet. You may have a past, but guess who's got your future? God, you know, you may have a past, but God's got your future. Listen, we can run and we can hide, but the long arm of God's love is going to come looking for you one day. You can go to the backside of the desert all you want, but he's going to come knocking on your door someday because God's got a plan and purpose for your life. If Moses he could come out of the stands, take a lap with us, encourage our faith, he would remind us of this. Again, abandon safe, live by faith. Here's three ways we can, that playing it safe can hinder our faith. Number one, playing it safe will keep us trapped by the past. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's go back to our theme verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, look, again, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So let us throw off everything, everything. That, some, of you, we, some of us, we need to throw off things from our past. They're still coming back. We're still allowing them into our lives, but we need to throw those things off. And there are some people that are mentioned in the Bible who have a past. You may be here today and say, well, I have a past. Well, guess what? You're in good company because a lot of people in God's Word has a past, but God still uses them in a credible way. We talked about Rahab, first part of the series. She is a lady with a past. But look what God does. He uses her in an incredible, incredible way. David, murderer and adulterer. But God still uses him in an incredible way. Joseph, I mean, here's the story. Think about this. Abandoned. 
abandoned, thrown away like garbage, forgotten. Can you imagine? We, we, we look at just the heroic things, right, uh, that we see in Joseph's life. But what was that inner turmoil like for him? I mean, imagine this. You're, you're sold as a slave by your brothers to get rid of you. No normal human being is going to say, praise God for that. I mean, imagine that. He's thrown away. He's abused. He's just, he's trash. He's garbage. But God uses him. Peter denies Jesus three times, goes back to fishing. Jesus has to track him down. These are all people that have a past. But like them, God can still use you irregardless of your past. Don't be trapped by your past. Don't allow your, don't allow your past to define you. You can't allow your past to define you. When you do that, that causes a lot of problems in your walk with God. Remember, we aren't defined by what we've done. We're not defined by what we've done. Our, give you an example. Your identity, if you deal with an addiction, your identity is not that addiction. Boy, if you make that your identity, you're never going to step into God's plan for your life. You'll never be able to do it. Your identity is not your weakness. Sometimes our weaknesses become a safe place for us. We, we know they're not right, but they become a safe place for us, and we embrace it. That will hinder your faith. Here's an example. Just fast forward in the history of the Jewish people. Moses, let's take the story. <clears throat> Moses has already led the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. They're, they pass through the Red Sea. They're heading towards uh, the Promised Land. And what happens is they get stuck. They get stuck. They decide to play it safe. They rebel against God. God, we can't do this. God, we can't do this. They, they, they have their past. Their past is the problem. See, God's got a plan for them. God didn't bring them out to the desert just to kill them. God brought them to that place to deliver them. But we get in that same place in our walk with God. Why? We allow the past to creep in and begin to speak to us. And that will hinder our faith. It will hinder us from fulfilling God's calling on our life. So if Moses could encourage our faith, he would tell us not to be trapped by our past. Number two, if we're going to abandon safe and live by faith, we can't be satisfied with today. Can't be satisfied with today. So when, when Moses was living in Midian, I want you to picture this. He's playing it safe. 40 years, he's, he's living a satisfied life. And there's a difference between being content, contentment, right, and satisfaction. There's a huge difference between the two. Being content or contentment is something that's biblical, it's something that's spiritual. That leads to joy. But satisfaction is often fleshly, and it will always, almost always lead to complacency. There's a difference between the two. When God calls Moses from the burning bush, he could, Moses could have said this to God. I mean, he really could have taken this position. And I think some of us get into this place where we're like, God, I appreciate the calling. I agree, My, your people should be delivered. Your people should go into the promised land, but I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy to lead them. I'm fine. Right where I'm at, I'm blessed and happy. Just leave me alone. Call somebody else. I'm not your guy. I think that we get into that place often when it comes to the callings and purposes of God. Church, if the enemy of our soul cannot get us trapped by our past, he'll always do this, allow us to be satisfied with our today. Satisfaction is a dangerous place to be because it often leads to complacency. If Moses would have stayed in Midian, he would have that would have reflected his complacency. But instead, he rises to the occasion 
because something inside him stirs, that, that calling of God, and he's like, I'm not satisfied. I've not been satisfied here for 40 years, and the calling of God just revives something within him. God calls us to live by faith, and if we're unwilling to change, aren't we resisting the Holy Spirit? Aren't we resisting God's plan for our life? I want you to think about this. When, when Jesus became Savior, and you became recipients of grace, you don't belong to you any longer. And that should be a good thing, right? Because we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. If we want to go before the throne of God on our own, then we're welcome to, but it's not going to end pretty. But I want to make sure that I show up to God's throne with Jesus as my advocate, amen? And I'm just saying this, when you give your life to Jesus, you give your life to Jesus. So too many people, they want to be redeemed from their sin, and I believe this is one of the problems of modern preaching of the gospel. They want, we, we preach redemption, but we want to live life our own way. What we want is to be saved from our sins, go to heaven, do what we want, and God stamp his stamp of approval upon that. It doesn't work. That's not grace. That's a perverted view of grace. Again, grace is not given to us for us to continue with sin. Grace is for us to move out of sin, more towards Jesus, amen? Become more and more like him, not more and more like our, ourselves, it's, become, it's in, co- in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So if you're born again, your life belongs to Christ. Whenever we move from death to life, from sinner to child, from lost to save, from slave to redeem, we belong to Jesus, and we cannot become satisfied with our present because God's got a plan for us. One reason why Moses is commended as a faith giant is because he refused to be satisfied with his present. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 26. And this is just from that, that faith hero chapter. Here's one of the reasons why he's commended. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Instead, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Moses realized the palace had all these perks. The palace had all these benefits, all the benefits a person could ever want. But that's not his calling. That's not his place. That's not his purpose. And he couldn't be satisfied with that because he understood that God had something greater for him than these temporal palaces. So instead, he embraces his calling, knowing that God has something better for him. See, the Hebrew slaves, he knew that, the, that, that growing up, that his people were enslaved. It was, it was something that he grew up with understanding. Remember, Moses just didn't find out at like 40 years of age that, hey, I'm adopted. No, he grew up, remember, his mother weaned him, his actual real mother, all right? They were part of his life. He grows up understanding that he is adopted, all right? But this, again, it's not the first time when Moses sees the Hebrew being mistreated, beaten by the Egyptian. It's not the first time he's seen it. So what happens with Moses? What changes on the day that he sees this take place? There's, there's a holy discontent. There's a holy discontent that rises up. And boy, some of us need a, a holy discontent because, again, we'll get satisfied with our, with our present if we're not careful. The, the world is very enticing and very intoxicating. And allow you to get settled in and just 
just write out status quo Christianity. I'm just saying there's a danger in that. You've got to be very careful. Some of us need that holy discontent within us again because we are stuck in our day playing it safe. Playing it safe is just as dangerous as getting stuck in our past. Why settle? Let me ask you this question. Why settle for a broken marriage? Why settle for depression? Why settle for discouragement? Why, why settle being enslaved to debt? See, satisfaction will keep us from the promises of God. There must be a holy discontent within us or we'll get satisfied. It's human nature. It's the flesh. God has a plan for us. And playing it safe, worried about what we might lose if we step out by faith, will now never allow us to step into God's promise for tomorrow. So if Moses could come out of the sands and encourage us, he would say this, number three, don't be afraid of tomorrow. Don't be afraid of tomorrow. If we're going to be abandoned safe and live by faith, we can't be afraid of tomorrow. And, and you say, well, I'm not afraid of tomorrow. You know what? Our choices often show what we're afraid of. See, faith has a future perspective. It's always looking forward. Faith is believing. Faith has confidence. It acts obediently. <clears throat> it maintains a hopeful perspective of tomorrow. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients, this is what the faith heroes were commended for. The faith giants are commended because they had their eyes fixed on the future. They understood their past. They understood where they are, but they understood God had a plan that was greater than where they are or where they've been. That's why some of us need to have a future perspective. Listen, nothing wrong with looking back in our past and just all oh, reliving the glory days. But if you've got breath in your body, that's not where you belong. You belong going forward, amen? I look at it this way. Don't waste your life thinking about yesterday. You can't get stuck in the past. It's a dangerous place to be. In Midian, Moses was playing it safe. He was living in his today. God shows up, speaks to him from the burning bush. It revitalizes something within him, and it begins to, he begins to have this hope for tomorrow. At first, though, at the very beginning, Moses doesn't react that way, does he? God shows up. I got a plan for you, buddy. Now's the time. 40 years has been long enough. You need to go back to Egypt, and I'm going to use you to reach my people. What does Moses say? Exodus 4.13. Moses says, pardon your servant. Lord, boy, he's being kind, isn't he? Please send someone else. God, thank you, but send somebody else, not me. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to say, God, send somebody else. Use somebody else. But remember this, God never calls you to fail. He never calls us to, to step out by faith just so he can mess us up. So God never calls us to that place. So whatever God is calling you to do, remember, calling you to do, know that you were made for it. God created you for it. And knowing that gives you hope. It gives you a hopeful perspective. Fulfilling our promise is where we'll fulfill our greatest contentment. See, there is something about when you are not, I'm a Christian, boy, I'm serving God, but I'm not serving God all the way in. Boy, there's something very dangerous about that. And you know, if you've ever been there, it's very awkward. It's, it's troubling. There's no peace there. And because this is what the Bible does. This is what the Word of God, it calls us to commitment. It calls us to serve by faith. It calls us to trust Him 
when we don't have things figured out. So when we're all in, we're experiencing God's plan. That's where we have the greatest amount of peace. If Moses would come out of the stands and encourage us to live by faith, we're going to forget about abandoning safe. Now it's live by faith. Give you three things really quick. Three things we can do to live by faith. What he would say to us, how he would encourage us. Number one, he would say this, I believe God is already at work in you. God is already at work in you. Even if you're not saved and born again, God's already at work in you. He's given you a measure of faith. Jesus has already died on the cross for you. God's got a plan for your life before you became a child of God. Knowing that God is already moving on your behalf should give you confidence. It should build your faith. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, knowing that God is already at work for you should encourage your faith. Hebrews eleven twenty three 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months <clears throat> after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So what was the edict? The edict declared that all mothers giving birth to Hebrew males must take that child and throw them in the Nile River. Why was that done? The idea was to control the population. Control the population, control the Hebrew slaves from overpopulating and one day being able to overthrow the Egyptians. When Moses was born, his parents recognized something about Moses. They didn't say, oh, like we do, oh, he's, he or she is beautiful. We all think our children are beautiful. When Moses was born, his parents recognized something upon him. His fa- it was the favor of God. The favor of God was already working his life. His parents recognized long before God called him decades later to use him to deliver the Jewish people something was special about Moses. And that's why they hid him for three months. I mean, they're risking their life, keeping this baby safe. God has a plan for your life, for your salvation. And, and, and to enter into that plan begins by faith. You must enter into God's plan by faith. Salvation then opens the door for you to fulfill your creative purpose. See, God is already at work in you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to enter to his plan by faith. Look at Psalms 139, 13. For you were created, you, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So while you were in the womb, prior to birth, God's already at work in you. God's already got some stuff for you to do. He's got a plan for you. Remember, God didn't go get a drink of water. Look, and there you are. He didn't just take a pause. It's like, where did you come from? I mean, God knows you. He has a purpose for you. See, sin and the sin nature, this is what it does. It creates this exterior on all of us. All of us have this exterior, but inside there's a diamond. There's a diamond, and when we experience salvation, we begin to grow closer to God, and the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives. He begins to chip away that exterior, and it begins to uncover the real you, the, the real that God has planned for you to be. See, underneath all your fears, all your shame, all your failures, all your flaws, all your hurts, all your pains, God's got something incredible. And what he's trying to do, he's trying to get us to step into that plan by faith. And sometimes we don't step out by faith because we wonder if God will follow us. Well, listen, God's not going to follow you anyways. He's already there, that's right. He's already there. God is omnipresent. I want you to think about this. When, when, when Ezekiel has an encounter with God, he declares that God is Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. Here, I'll give you an example. Five minutes from now, God will be there. Five hours from now, God will be there. Five months from now, God is already there, by the way. 
See, we think, well, how could that be? Because we have this understanding of time and space. God exists outside of all those things. God's already there. Five years from now, fifth, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you hearing me? God exists outside those, our understanding of time. This should encourage our faith. Number two, to live by faith, we must refuse, hear me, refuse to be divined by anything or anything, anyone or anything except for God. We must be refused to be labeled or defined by anyone or anything except God. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. <clears throat> he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So Moses refuses the label of, of the grandson of Pharaoh. That's what he's refusing. I'm not going to allow that a label. Like Moses, we're, we gotta, we're going, we're, we're, if we're going to get into this race by faith, we can't be weighed down by labels. You can't be weighed down by, by things that, that you've allowed people to define you by. If you, if you do that, it will run counter to God's purpose in your life. If you listen to the lies of the, I don't even care if you've done something, and it's true. You can't live by that label. It will mess you up. It will stop you in your tracks. Every time you try to do something great for God, that label is going to come to the service, and it's going to nullify your faith. Some of us, we, we wear a label. I did this, so now I'm that. My dad was this, and so was my granddad, and so am I. I went through this, or I experienced this, and now I'm this. See, some of you need to tear off that label like Moses did. God has a plan for your life, and all that label is going to do is get in the way. It's going to get in the way of you accomplishing God's plan for your life. A label will remind you of your failure. A label will remind you of your pain. A label will remind you of circumstances that you can't change. If you've gotten a label in your past, you can't go back to the past. All right, you can't get stuck there. It's done, it's over. But can I give you some good news? God's got a label for you. God is defining you in a different way. See, you are no longer slaves to your past. You're no longer a slave to pain, a slave to failure, a slave to misfortune. You've been emancipated in Christ. You are now, guess what? A child of God. A child of God. That's your new label. If you're born again, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've dedicated yourself to him, refuse every label except for that one. That's the one that matters. That's the only one that matters. Who you are in Christ, you are a son or a daughter of God. That's the label you own. And own no other. Today I want to encourage you, like Moses, drop the label and walk by faith. I'm learning this, that it used to be early in my ministry, I enjoyed being called pastor. Today, I don't. And here's why. You know, my identity is not pastor. Because for a long, so long, I've been pa a pastor. But that's not who I am. See, if I'm defined by what I do, I've messed up. I'm messed up. What if I can't do this anymore? My identity is in the trash. See, my identity is in Christ. 
And that's what I'm learning every day, that I'm not just pastor. It's not what I do. It's who I am in Christ. So I just want to encourage you today, drop the label, walk by faith, know who you are in Christ. You are a son or a daughter of God. Here's the last thing I think Moses would say to encourage us to live by faith. Number three, live by faith. Living by faith will impact others around me. When I choose to live by faith, it will go beyond me. See, if we refuse or we make excuses as to why we can't live by faith in a situation, it will negatively impact others. Our refusal to follow God's plan by faith is going to negatively, negatively impact others. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 28 and 29. By faith, look at this, by faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. See, Moses, his decision to answer God's calling led to the deliverance of Israel. Every one of us are here today recipients of God's grace, enjoying these benefits because Moses obeyed God by faith. See, I'm, saying, I'm just telling you this. Fulfilling God's plan for your life goes beyond you. And that's a perspective we all need to maintain. Refusing, listen to me, refusing to step out and obey God's plan by faith negatively affects people. See, remember this. You, every one of us are going to make decisions that will impact the eternity of someone else. Now, I know every person is responsible for their own soul. I'm not saying that we can send people to hell or anything. I'm not just saying that. I'm just saying, but we can impact people. Our life, our testimony, our faith, our refusal, our acceptance of God's plan. You say, see, that's why I don't want to do this. That's why I don't want to. But listen, saying no or say, being idle is no. It's a yes answer. If you, you are not your own, you were bought at a price, you belong to Jesus. The only answer is this, yes. Yes, yes. God's not called you to fail. God's called you to succeed. If you will follow him by faith, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be perfect. Keep moving forward, amen? But doing that, knowing that God's called you, you're not going to fail. Every Jew, every Christian, we've been directly impacted by the decision of Moses to follow God's calling. That's a huge reward. That's a huge reward. You just never know who you'll impact who your faith will impact, the faith decision you make, you'll never know who it's going to impact. Moses couldn't see all the benefits of his faith decision, and neither can we, but it's out there. It does exist. God will use our decisions to fulfill his plans. Remember that. Man, we're limited <clears throat> by time and space, but remember, God exists outside of all that, and our faith decision can have an eternal impact. Moses answers God's call, his plan, by faith, with, with obedience. God, God is able to save then the Jewish people from the death of the firstborn. God is able to deliver the Jews through the Red Sea because of his faith. Because he said, yes, they needed, they needed a Moses. They needed a leader. Moses had all this, this talent on his life, but he messes up. And he, the, God rekindles that call. Well, even with his past, and he steps in. He's not a perfect person. He's been hiding. But he steps into that role, 
And he's not in the prime of his life, by the way, by this time. The man's 80 years old. But he steps into the calling of God, and he's a deliverer, and God uses him in a credible way. When we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, we're going to see what impact our faith had on other people. And I hope that when you all get to heaven, your impact is huge. There's something God is calling you to do, every one of you. Every one of us have a call in our... Again, God, you didn't catch God by surprise. He, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you what that is. But I can give you some opportunities to try to figure that out. I would say even, maybe it's just maybe as simple as starting in church and serving on a team. Maybe it's teaching a class. Maybe it's being a helper. Maybe it's just getting involved with the van minister. I don't know. I'm just saying there's, God can take those faithful acts of obedience and can yield some exponential results in the hands of his almighty hands, right? In his powerful hands. So abandon safe, live by faith. Your obedience is going to impact someone other than yourself. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I hope this message was a blessing to you. If you are looking for a church home, I want to encourage you to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Or join us Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for our family night. We have ministry opportunities for all ages, children, youth, and adults. Holt Assembly of God is located at 543rd Avenue in Holt, Florida. If you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.holtag.org. Or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Our phone number is 850-537-8351. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, may God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.